Are you a fan of the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast? Do you want more episodes, more magic, and more guests? Do you want our show to reach and inspire more of those in need? Well, we can really use your support. If you would like to help us in our mission to spread awareness and destigmatize mental health struggles, we ask that you please subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast with friends, family, and folks you might think would enjoy and benefit from our content. Most importantly, please consider joining our Patreon community and becoming a contributor. As one of our Patreon contributors, you will get access to exclusive content, announcements, videos, and more. You will join a community of like-minded pop culture enthusiasts that celebrate our connections to our favorite movies, TV shows, icons, and superheroes. As a contributor, you will also be helping us support mental health charities as 15% of our proceeds are donated monthly. To join our Patreon community, go to www.patreon.com, make an account, search for Superhero Therapy, and select one of our tiers. Now, on with the show. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Take her away, Ern. Yeah, take it away, Ernie. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we get to look into Chapter 3 of The Prisoner of Azkaban, The Night Bus. And knight is spelled with a K here, which I have to make note of. It suggests that this bus is a champion of honor and service or comes to the rescue or something of that nature. Or is a bus for knights. <laughs> so when we left off last time, Harry had enough of Aunt Marge's insults and no one ever wants to insult a wizard. It's just not smart and bad things can happen like being blown up like a balloon and floating away into the night sky. After the incident, a raging Harry grabs his trunk and runs away from the Dursleys. After a while, he takes a rest and realizes that he is alone now. There's nowhere to go, no food, no money, no shelter, no way to get in touch with his friends, and no idea of what he had gotten himself into. We've all had those moments where our actions or our words spring out with disregard and where we're left with the choices that we made. Can you discuss the nature of impulsivity and the effects on our mental health? I think there's a difference between impulsivity and getting away from a toxic and abusive situation. Harry's family abuse is equivalent to what a lot of people go through when their family doesn't accept them for who they are. For example, LGBTQ individuals are often not accepted by their families. They might be bullied, made fun of, and prejudiced against by their own family members by the very people that are supposed to love and accept them. For example, many trans individuals unfortunately endure a lot of abuse from family members who don't understand them, who refuse to call them by the correct pronoun or by the correct name. And after a while, after enduring a lot of abuse, some individuals just have had enough. 
And so they might leave. Again, a very abusive, very toxic situation. It's true that some people might leave without thinking about where they're going to go. And I think in those moments, just getting away from a dangerous situation sometimes becomes priority number one. For people who are going through some kind of abuse in their family, for example, for people that are being perpetrated against, I do recommend having some kind of a plan as much as possible, having a packed bag, a few places in mind where this person can go. Sometimes, like in Harry's situation here, we might not have time to be able to do that. Sometimes things escalate so badly that if we stay, we're going to be in danger. And I think Harry knew that if he stayed, he was going to get beaten yet again. He was going to get abused yet again and potentially locked away in his room like a prisoner again. Mm-hmm. Besides Harry being in over his head here, he realizes that since he used magic, he is in big trouble with the Ministry of Magic. He was underage and performed magic outside of school. He broke the decree for the restriction of underage wizardry. Why do you think that a government agency is so involved with underage witches and wizards' actions? I think that in a lot of ways, underage magic use outside of school is maybe no different than underage drinking in our world, where we have to be old enough to be responsible to be able to do certain things and have certain abilities, because when we haven't quite matured enough, we might do certain damage. So there's a reason why people are not allowed to gamble, for example, until they're old enough, or they're not able to rent a car until they're old enough, or they're not able to purchase certain either substances or weapons until they're old enough, because all of these things require a certain maturity level. And I imagine that because magic can cause certain damage, such as blowing up your family member. (laughs) I think that witches and wizards in training are not allowed to use magic outside of school for that very purpose. Yeah. Since Harry already broke the law, so to speak, he convinces himself that more magic won't make things any worse. I know that sometimes I get the what the hell attitude myself. Does this thought process have any psychological significance or a name? You know, it's very similar to what happens when we, for example, break a diet or an exercise plan. And I'm not a proponent of diets by any means, but people who are trying to maintain a particular lifestyle, if they have some kind of a setback, for example, they're likely to, sometimes it's called fall off the wagon, right? That's usually when we're talking about substance use, but really anything when we fail to engage in the kind of behavior that we wanted to engage in or when we engage in the behavior that we are trying to avoid. If we do it once, then we might tell ourselves, well, what's the big deal? I already did this thing, so I might as well go all the way. So for example, for people that are trying to eat healthy, if they have a donut, they might say, well, what the heck, I already broke my diet, so I might as well have a full like dozen of donuts. Once again, I'm not a proponent of diets by any means. This is just one example of what some people might go through. And so I think in Harry's case, this is very much what we're seeing, just kind of having this all or nothing attitude where since he already did something to break wizarding laws, then 
he thought, well, what the heck, I might as well do more magic. The other thing that's happening for Harry too that we need to be aware of is that he is in survival mode. He just blew up his aunt. He knows his family members are angry at him. He believes the Ministry of Magic are coming after him and he's just trying to survive. And so because he has this huge heavy trunk, he doesn't know how to get around, get to where he wants to go, such as to London, for example. And so his one thought is to make his trunk and the rest of his belongings as light as a feather so that he can fly himself to London and get to safety. Yeah. So as Harry's sitting there and contemplating these things, he feels like he's being watched. He cautiously begins to search the darkness around him and eventually sees a hulking shadow in the darkness. Although he really saw what he saw, I'm curious about how our minds can sometimes play tricks on us. I remember one night waking up and looking out the window. The trees outside looked like a huge giant staring at me through the window. I froze in place and it took a while for my eyes to adjust or whatever, but it looked so vividly real for a while. Has anything like this happened to you? And can you explain what's going on inside our minds that make things appear so real? Well, for Harry, he was right. When yeah. he felt somebody watching him, when he saw something there, we know that it was serious watching him. For many of us, when we are feeling really tense, when we're feeling scared, our mind starts thinking of the worst possible scenario and kind of filling in the blanks. And we might see what's called an illusion. Our mind might see things that aren't there because when we're in this really intense, heightened kind of a state, we are expecting danger. So we might see danger even if it's not there. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's a danger. And Harry is frightened by this thing that is in the shadows. And he ends up falling backwards with his wand in the air and unwittingly summons the night bus. To hail the night bus, a witch or wizard must stick up their wand in the air in the same manner that muggles do to hail buses in Britain. Then poof, it magically just appears there. The night bus is a triple-decker, very purple bus that... Well, let's let conductor Stan Shunpike explain what the night bus is. Welcome to the night bus. Emergency transport for the stranded witch or wizard. My name is Stan Shunpike and I will be your conductor for this evening. What are you doing down there? I fell over. What you fell over for? I didn't do it on purpose. Well, come on then. Let's not wait for the grass to grow. Well, come on then, in. No, 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 I'll get this, you get in. The night bus moves super fast and makes a lot of crazy maneuvers. And, I mean, it just looks wild. I mean, it would scare the crap out of me if I saw it. <laughs> Harry is concerned that muggles can see this bus and asks Stan. What's the muggles? Well, they see us. Muggles? They don't see nothing, do they? No, but if you jab them with a fork, they see <laughs> And that's so true. A lot of times it would appear that we humans only see or acknowledge what we want to. Can you talk about why our minds would work this way and possibly provide current examples? I think many people choose to not see the kind of things that upset them, that they don't want to see because it will disrupt their lives. For example, a lot of people might choose not to see some of the injustices in this world. They might choose not to see racism or sexism, xenophobia, and other types of prejudice. 
a lot of people might choose not to acknowledge how severely affected trans individuals are by transphobia and how intergenerational racism is so damaging for so many individuals. And so I think that oftentimes people choose to pretend that some kind of a problem doesn't exist or some kind of an event doesn't exist because they're not ready to face what it might mean for them. And so as a reader, I took this as a powerful metaphor for the muggles, some of whom we might know in real life, choosing not to see what's staring them right in the face and what's happening right in front of them. Mm. So while they're on the bus, Harry sees the image of the escaped convict he saw on the Dursley's TV. He asks who it is, and Stan is just shocked. It appears everyone has heard of Sirius Black. Who is that? That man? Who is that? Who is... That is Sirius Black, that is. Don't tell me you've never been hearing a Sirius Black. He's a murderer. Got himself locked up in Azkaban for it. How did he escape? Well, that's the question, isn't it? He's the first one that done it. He was a big supporter of... You know who. Reckon you've heard of him? Yeah. Him I've heard of. He's a great supporter of you-know-who. He's an evil wizard that broke out of a high-security magical prison. And 12 years ago, he killed 13 people with a single curse. This got me thinking about the significance and the negative connotations that are associated with the number 13. And I want to share some of those with you. The number 13 is synonymous with bad luck. It's considered unlucky to have 13 guests at a dinner party. Many buildings don't have a 13th floor. And Friday the 13th is viewed as a cursed day. Although undetermined, the fears and superstitions surrounding the number 13 seem to be primarily that of a Western construct. Some cultures, including the ancient Egyptians, actually considered the number to be lucky. So why is the number 13 associated as a bad number or unlucky? The truth is, there is no factual evidence to explain why. There are, however, two popular theories for the number 13's unlucky connotation, both of which revolve around the appearance of a 13th guest at two ancient events. In the Bible, Judas Iscariot, the 13th guest to arrive at the Last Supper, is the person who betrays Jesus. Meanwhile, ancient Norse lore holds that evil and turmoil were first introduced into the world by the appearance of the treacherous and mischievous god Loki at a dinner party in Valhalla. He was the 13th guest of setting the balance of the 12 gods that already were in attendance. When Harry gets to the Leaky Cauldron, the Minister of Magic, Cornelius Fudge, is waiting for him. Instead of punishing him, he takes care of purchasing Harry's school books and seems to be concerned with keeping him safe. As the Minister for Magic, it is my duty to inform you, Mr. Potter, that earlier this evening your uncle's sister was located a little south of Sheffield, certain chimney stack. The Accidental Magic Reversal Department was dispatched immediately. She has been properly punctured and her memory modified. She will have no recollection of the incident whatsoever. So that's that. And no harm done. Peace out. Uh, no, thank you. Hmm. Um, Minister? Yes? I don't understand. Understand? I broke the law. 
underage wizards aren't allowed to use magic at home. Oh, come now, Harry. The Ministry doesn't send people to Azkaban for blowing up their aunt. <laughs> On the other hand, running away like that, given the state of things, was very, very irresponsible. The state of things, sir? We have a killer on the loose. Sirius Black, you mean? But what's he got to do with me? <coughs> Nothing, of course. You're safe. And that's what matters. And tomorrow you'll be on your way back to Hogwarts. Oh, these are your new school books. I took the liberty of having them brought here for you. Now, Tom will show you to your room. What does this suggest about imagining the worst case scenarios and having the opposite happen? Well, for somebody with the amount of trauma and abuse like Harry, I think for him imagining his worst case scenarios allows him to be more prepared for when these scenarios might happen again. I think a lot of people might not recognize that they're engaging in catastrophizing in thinking worst case scenarios, which certainly do not always come true. But in people who are frequently exposed to trauma the way that Harry had been, it is a way of being prepared for a battle. It is a way of being prepared for the next situation. And so it makes sense that he would think that he would be expelled, that he might go to Azkaban too. And so it makes sense that he would be surprised about Fudge welcoming him, being so pleasant, cordial, and polite, and even buying his books and being on the lookout for him. It makes sense that Harry is suspicious because the way Fudge is treating him goes counter to the way that Harry was treated the previous year mm -hmm. when he was given a warning that he might be expelled for underage use of magic. And so he does sense that Fudge is hiding something. He just can't quite put his finger onto what exactly it is. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect opportunity to end this episode because that's pretty much where the chapter ends. Harry is now at the Leaky Cauldron and he's under the protection of the Ministry of Magic. For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlet's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag Harry Potter Therapy. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at ShadowQuill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay magical and take care. The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening.